Hello, my name is Kevin and I'm loading an arrow into a bow with my feet. And I'm Michael, and I'm a calligraphy student who just got shot by that arrow in the head. And welcome to Subtitled Cinema, a podcast dedicated to non-American films. Each week we'll be watching a film from a different country. We invite you to watch at home so you can follow along. This week, Hero, directed by Zhang Yimou, a dramatic action-adventure detailing the stories of three assassins, told and retold by a nameless man and the King of Qin. I can't even get started about talking about this There's movie. There's so much to dive into. As just a pre-note that we'll hit again and again, hemorrhaging drama. Yes. Absolutely gushing it out in every possible way. Full throttle, turned up. Never stop. Heavily stylish. Heavily, heavily, heavily. Every moment we are looking over the shoulder dramatically into the camera with one tear coming yeah. out the eye. Every pixel you're kind of getting like assassinated by color. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It is. The shots, the environments we were in, whether it was the canyon, the desert, like the desert canyon. The blue library. The blue library was fantastic. The red Zhao places. Even like the gray toned stone. The stone like chess. Oh, the chess, the chess house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chess, quote unquote yeah. chess. All right. So some fun background on this movie is that it was actually based on a real assassination attempt that happened by the character of Nameless on Qin Shi Huang, who becomes the first emperor of China. So definitely like who the king slash emperor character was in this film. So around 228 BC, there was this plan where Nameless, essentially our character, and another person were supposed to be like ambassadors going to meet the king. First of all, the guy he was with, the guy that Nameless was with, was so nervous, he completely flubbed everything, and everyone was like, so what's that guy's deal? And that, he was like, he's, That sounds like an assassination. He's never seen royal before, excuse him. And he got, like, quarantined, because they're like, you're acting. Yeah. It's so weird. So, they they hid a extremely poisoned dagger inside of a map scroll. The Nameless, in this instance, his name is... Jinki, I believe. He unrolls the map. Jinki seizes the dagger, grabs the king's clothes, like starts like slashing at him. The king somehow dodges away, and they're just kind of like running around the palace. Like he's chasing the king. The king's royal guards are very far away. Probably running the king's on rooftops advisor. and they, flying through the they're air. They're doing some crazy anime shit. And it's just like a complete mess. The king has a sword, but it's an extra long ceremonial blade. So he tries to draw it like a samurai drop, but you can't yeah. like extend can't your elbow. Long enough. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, like, <laughs> like his life is in danger nobody's around to help him finally his advisors are like over the shoulder over the shoulder over the shoulder yeah. he unsheaths the sword yeah. stabs the assassin in the leg immobilizes him and then stabs him like eight more times yeah. <laughs> and then the assassin like in his dying breath like throws the dagger at the king he misses yeah and you know you can't, throwing knives don't really work like the video games <laughs> no not at all and then the king allegedly just sat on his throne like catatonic like just like in disbelief and exhausted and like off the adrenaline rush you know i, I i'd be exhausted not just from trying to like kill somebody with a sword but let alone <laughs> like, like all the adrenaline like that you running normally around. experience yeah literally like having your life at the edge of this poison dagger blade only yeah. to like i'm sure it looked very goofy <laughs> yeah you know that's something that like you know the whole idea of like oh then the king fought him off and all that <laughs> like, like how much no of that is, is just like you know the royal society think trying to make that look a little bit better exactly this is like what was recorded you yeah. know like think about think about how many times he probably thrusted at him and like missed with his like giant sword i just can't imagine this not ending and just like you know a king being exhausted <laughs> sweaty tired startled and like on his seat just like resting yeah for a being like okay time to clear out the great hall i like, guess i could be killed like anybody else 
I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Mandate of Heaven doesn't keep you from uh, poison daggers, yeah. I suppose. Allegedly, that is the story of uh, where this story kind of comes springboards from. from. Yeah. Well, that's certainly conveyed. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> we certainly see. I think the king character in this was excellent. Yes. He was perceptive as all hell and mm-hmm. sharp as a wit. Sharp as what? His wit was sharp. Well, I'm, I, I'm glad he was. Like, if he was like some goofball, like it have been as cool. Like, oh, he's just like a hardened, one-dimensional creature. Mm-hmm. He's the king. He's this like you know force, this entity. This weird like figurehead thing that yep. like represents like very one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, it represents like everything wrong. But in this case, I feel like he was not only like an intelligent like you know person, very much so. But he he was capable. He was able of, of discerning, seeding through this deceit. Mm-hmm. Um, he really seemed like someone who was supposed to be a king, you know? Yeah. He was definitely kingly. Like, he had he had the vision. You could tell he had, like, the intellect to be making big money shots. He had all of his, like, millions of advisors. Yeah. And clearly, you know, they were all answering to him. And throughout the entire film, you just get this... Like, every time Nameless is shown in the palace or approaching the palace, you get yeah. a sense that everyone there is there for the king. And yeah. this is all an extension of his power and his personhood, his influence. On that topic, I think scale comes into mind like pretty seamlessly. Absolutely. Because I think everything that relates to the king and his forces seems innumerable. So, yes, so massive. Just people vanishing into the horizon because his armies are so big. Literally a sea or a swarm of of either his ministries or his soldiers acting kind of Mm -hmm. in this black storm, as it were. Yeah, Um, very, like, mob-like. Or just his his horses, like, trampling on screen and, like, really digging up ground. When you see even just, like... The landscape shots, even the extreme long shots of you know the clouds right. kind of uh, flying over like quickly, big mountains, big canyons. Yeah. yeah, you see not only the scale of like the Chinese people, but like the Chinese land. This itself. land, yeah, yeah, the land, which I think is is not only conveyed well, but I think it's just kind of indicative of China itself, kind of within its history, within its own even contemporary environment of just right. having a larger scale. It's just it's so much it's so massive in so many different physical and metaphysical ways where yeah. you have thousands of years of tradition mm-hmm. and just vast swaths of territory. Just all of this legacy, all of this power and and the way that all of it goes back to one person. Yeah. To one man, the king. And just, like, what that means to have dominion over so vast a space. It's definitely fantastical. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think the, the movie kind of breaches that. And by, with not only with its, you know, hyper-dramatic and stylized events, being literally, like, this, the, the, the cloud most of arrows. wild stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, my God. The, the candles with murderous intent. Right. Um, just, like, the just swarm like of people s- that you see. Walking on water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of these things, yes. All of these things, like, breaching fantasy, definitely pushing the bounds of, like, internal rules of the world still all to kind of just to go back to these are individuals and yet they are also representative of sometimes entire lands entire ideologies philosophies yeah whether it's whether it is these extreme long shots of all the people funneling and about the king or it is these close-ups of like dialogue back and forth of king and the nameless and all we are seeing is just them these two people telling stories seeing each other for for the first time it goes back and forth, and I think it goes back and forth so well to let us feel the individual impact of these wars and these conflicts, and yet yeah. still allow us to comprehend the insanely large impacts that they're having. Yeah, it, for for you know people so small, like these are assassins, yeah. these are armies. Right, exactly. The these three, assassins. the three assassins so, and the nameless uh, uh, Sky, yeah. the best. Definitely. Sky was the best character. Well, Broken Sword was. Broken Sword was the man. The best character. Long Sky was. 
Also the best character. Snow is... I love Snow her. is flawless. Snow is gorgeous, first yes. of all. Holy crap. Can get it. Can get it. Absolutely. Broken Sword is so handsome, too. Like, all, all the actors in this are just... Exceeding. It, Jet Li. It's Jet Li! <laughs> the king looking fun. The king, like his facial hair was slick. I know. All the assassins loved, loved, loved them to death. Don't even regret that Long Sky was barely seen because he <laughs> dunked. Oh, he he was there when he counted this mental battle. <laughs> All right, I, I want to just talk about because I, I, the most yeah. prominent part of this movie is the fight like, scenes. Yes, no, the, the color, well, the, the fight colors in the fight scenes, yeah. but intertwined as they are, let's yeah. get to fight scenes first. All right, let's start with the, the first one. Yeah, wow! Easily my favorite action sequence of any movie ever, frankly. Yeah, this this is, I, I think, understood to be like a trailer moment. You know, like oh, you're hovering yeah. over this a is, Netflix this movie, is this like, is what plays. This is like the pinnacle, too, of just like, they, they dumped all of their like best, yeah. wildest choreography into this. No diss on the others, which are just Definitely. as fantastic and beautiful. But this one, I mean, like the length, the insane moves, yeah. all of the crazy like flips and kicks and spins. It, it's, it's choreography that's captured well on, on, yes. on film, you know? are able to read the the fight language and mm-hmm. not only does that you know sort of back and forth combat speak about the fight itself in like a literal way mm-hmm. but it also kind of gives insight into like the emotions of the characters and kind of their motivations behind fighting yeah. and all that kind of stuff and that's captured subtly in a readable way the movie itself is shot I mean, we, we talked briefly about it being right. choppy it's, almost. It, choppy minus this negative connotation. Yeah. Because we're not trying to imply it's it's more like it's been boiled down to the essence of just the action. Yeah. Like in this scene with Sword and Nameless, you don't see all of the elite guards who Sky takes down effortlessly. You don't see them crawl away. You don't see them, like, change position. Now, boom, next shot. It's four new guys squaring up with Sky And... It's it cuts between like one guy getting hit, next guy getting hit, next guy getting hit, and if you wanted to be a stickler, Sky has technically kind of teleported around. Yeah. But the language, like you said, is so followable and so seamless feeling yeah. that it's like yes, we're still in this fight environment and we're seeing amazing stunts. Yeah. You, if you were to transcribe this movie, you'd be left with nothing but like describing an action. Exactly. This person leaves a room this way. This person does this. But, but they're, they're framed in such a way that makes them isolated. They're framed right. in such a way that makes them divided from the other There's characters. a lot of just language with the mise-en-scene, like yeah. with what you're seeing on screen. And a lot of it, like you said, just conveys what's going on in their internal worlds, which I think is why the telling and the retelling work so well because you really get a sense for almost this character growth as you kind of get to know the yeah. real characters but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Let's let's go back to his face going through the raindrops oh, after slashing each other. Oh my. The <laughs> rain in that scene, fantastic. That was all diegetic sound too, that baby. Was. That was gorgeous. That was just clinks and that blind man playing <laughs> playing play shredding. When they stopped when he stopped oh my, playing yeah, he's like hang yeah, out. We yeah. need some battle music. That's my favorite moment. No, that's my favorite. I was like waiting. I've seen this movie once before and I was waiting for them to be like please keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> So good it's like yeah we can't do this in silence it definitely seemed almost out of like a like a cantina like a some sort of bar brawl it clearly wasn't it wasn't you know it's a little more sophisticated than that absolutely but it was like hang on get another we're gonna have some get back on the piano exactly we have like some duking there's some stuff that's gonna happen and it needs to have proper backing definitely Um, sorry no we're going back to him running through the raindrops because sonic speed like (laughs) nameless how swift your sword is what do you feel of this this sort of hyper dramatic surreal fighting because you know this kung fu oh, they're flying yeah. through the air they're yeah, yeah, yeah. spinning weird ways it's definitely surreal and fantastic but I am all here for it I yeah. love it to death there was never a moment in this movie where my suspension of disbelief was pushed to a point that was even like uncomfortable or even yeah. that like 
even like I was taken out of it a little, like none of, none of that happened because again, like the internal laws of the universe are so consistent. well, yes, consistent and well adhered to that. Even if you're spinning around and blowing leaves or like dunking your sword in for water, it all still somehow makes sense. Yeah. The first move nameless makes against sky where he like thrusts and then they're both kind of like flying <laughs> backwards. <laughs> I loaded death. It no, looks definitely. great. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great way to like do something not only different with like the action genre, but it's it's fighting and choreography that is you know fantastical, yeah. fantastic, yeah, and it's innovative. I mean, it definitely feels it's not brand new. It's fresh, you know. It's not it's not realistic, and that's one of its greatest strengths because we don't have we can abandon realism. Well, exactly, we don't have two people like grunting at each other, throwing a series of still just choreographed punches and elbows and like catching yeah. them. These Instead, people are flying. They are, they are flying around. These uh. people are like jumping on things. When Nameless is like this, or, or like sideways. <laughs> yeah, when he's like sideways, like leaning off a banister, and then he kicks it and flies forward. It's like this is the craziest thing I've ever yeah. seen. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's like the skill yeah. like these people are like next level like they're all these things human exactly you know? and I think it goes into like his whole assassination attempt like this is what it took to even get this to close to the king a, a king who in and of himself is godlike oh absolutely you know, I mean mandate man like divine region, yeah, yeah chosen by heaven all of this power all this includes again and again and again you have to be more fantastic than a regular person to eat to assassinate to even the game. yeah to even approach the fact that broken sword and flying a uh, flying snow is it flying it's, snow? it's flying snow because it's long sky yeah okay the fact that snow and sword stormed the castle by and, like, themselves and left and like cl- like two very neat straight lines yeah. of like bodies behind they were just like running through with bodies <laughs> flying out of the way the fantastic and i love it to yes, death they were creaming them it was excellent slash them up game in the the intro fight scene, yeah. I just love the setting of it. I mean, yes. this is consistent about the movie. Absolutely. But the, the, I think it's like a go house. They it's call a, it a chess house. They call it a chess house. A chess house in the art, or sub or whatever. I just thought that was such a gorgeous area. It, fit really, it was consistent with their little mental battle because they're playing mm-hmm. a game of chess. Wing. All of the... All of the ways in which martial arts is related and intertwined with other forms of arts. Yes. I think really illustrating that it is an art. Yes. One of those arts being calligraphy. Exactly. And the, the next house that we go to the, uh, to to get the other two assassins where they're hiding out. Right. We go to this, this red calligraphy it's house. very beautiful. Red everywhere. Just blasted with red. I've never seen so lush color. Like, oh, you know, you know, red is yeah. red. But they but this is blast deep, you with red. Vibrant. Yeah. And the different the different ways they use it too, like the red screens, I thought were beautiful because they weren't as overt red. But yeah. you, you know, you you definitely never leave red. I think it's very interesting to note the director has said that he totally rejects like universal color theory ideas. He's like, no, there's no there's no innate meaning yeah. in any colors, which I agree with. We're gonna dig into it anyway yes. because there's things to be said about each of the color colors and what happens with them. But red to start with. So red was chosen. Red was gonna be in the movie. So the cinematographer of this movie, Christopher Doyle, he's kind of an Australian guy. But he does a lot of Asian movies and more cinematography though. He actively avoided red for the majority of his career really? up until in a mood for love. Excellent Chinese Whoa. movie. Go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because red means so many things all across Asia, and so it kind of gets mm. convoluted when you add it because it can mean so many different things. Oh, so, it's like an interpretive thing. Where yeah. it's just like possibilities. Uh, but that is kind of the theme of this in terms of how they oh, use the yeah. color. The director has said each time they change color is a different perspective on the story. Yes. Um, and because you have like an unreliable narrator and then you have the king's take and on And all of these like theories, lies, yeah. kind of like 
skewed points of view because it is still it's still it's nameless experiencing it but then it's nameless retelling it so no matter what you are you have this layer removed yeah. from kind of what's really happening and so across these colors well they start with red because yeah the, the, that scene in general was going to be red and i think it's a great effect if that were makes the sense. Color, be kind of weird. you know it, it's representative of like zhao as a nation yeah. too so it's very again that scale you have that like broad sense of like another warring state and then like these two individuals also red ink blood like well look into it, it. oh no <laughs> yeah when he said a scroll of that size yeah. will be red i'm like <laughs> Blue was decided on. We'll get to that scene in just a moment because they were looking for just places to film in China oh. and you know unknown area places that mm. aren't like immediate. You can't like immediate, yeah, yeah. And they found this this lake and it was a gorgeous area, so they decided on it. And oh. so blue was also like that's a where blue kind of came from. Um, and it worked super well with the water and so forth. Yeah, it absolutely did. They chose she- white because the mountains themselves were white, um, mm. but it had to be later in the the, the what is the, the flavor of white. The shade, perhaps. Sure, sure. Uh, the, the certain shade of wine, the certain <laughs> tone of it had to be yeah. modified because they can only oh. film so late. Into, they had to film later into the evening. Uh, and, um, I see, I because see. Because when the sun's like beating down on the mountains, it mm-hmm. like exaggerates it. And green because they had no other colors left. Really? <laughs> yeah. They and said, he said no orange, no pink. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which uh, I think is just silly. Um, now, black still manifests in the, the emperor. Absolutely. And his sort There's of a lot of that blacks and whites and yeah. those just like grays. Mostly black with the emblem. Yeah, with the yeah. black storm, you know, like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but going back to you know objecting color theory. Yeah, going back to I mean, starting on red, this came off to me as just first of all the most deceitful one, which I'm so glad that this was the yeah. first from Truth because oh my gosh, like Sword and Sky, like they can't be beefing like this. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but passion, so much passion, yeah. so much, just like over the top emoting, emotional depth. And I think it balances with what we switched to the blue, which to me was very cool and calculated. It was so, definitely cool. And the know? fact that these two were juxtaposed in such a way, yeah. like immediately, I think was great. But the red itself, just that deepness, that like, there was, you know, love definitely was a big part of that. Like love, betrayal. I would say perhaps. Sensuousness you know, even. You know, fieriness. Sensuousness. Fieriness. Was, yeah, but, I like you know, that. Fieriness. Blood. Blood you know, for just sure. In that little she, sense, they're yeah. getting rained with arrows right now. Absolutely. She's stabbing she kills um, him. broken sword through the wall. <laughs> just like you, because she can do her not like that. <laughs> We're both fools. <laughs> that um, was, <laughs> first and foremost, that shot when he's like dying against yeah, the wall of, was excellent. And you excellent. have the you have the wall yeah. thing like bisecting, and they're they're like worlds apart, and yeah. they're like next to each other. Yeah, that was excellent. Gorgeous scene. Absolutely well done. I want to focus on the army for like a half second, just to say like the, the big the yeah yeah like them shooting arrows with their feet. That was. Nuts. Yeah, when they shot all the arrows into a cloud. barrage, and then like our protagonist okay, just yeah. like, punched all the arrows. I loved it. There's two moments where the fantastic fight scenes wean almost into goofy, yeah. and I felt like it was the red when like the leaves are blowing around like <laughs> yeah. Moon's corpse. Yeah. I was like, this is <laughs> like this, this is, is so quite dra- dramatic. This is so dramatic. I'm almost laughing a little bit at it, and. The second one, I think, was the arrow scene. Yeah. Where it was like, this is, like, sick. It's a little goofy because they're just like... Yeah. I think it's a little goofy because what are you going to do other than punch arrows in that moment? Like, if you got to protect everybody, like, you're going to protect against arrows? Like, what? You're going to, like, do some sweeping motions. It could be fantastic. And so, you know, I kind of write that off in the same way where it's like, well, he's also doing a slash. Oh, yeah. slash all the bookcases in the room. Like... It's cool anime stuff. Exactly. You know, like, don't look into it. We're in this crazy realm. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, totally acceptable. It didn't particularly bring me out of it. No, it, exactly. But it, it, never it, really it definitely gave me, like, an asterisk of, like, I noticed that because <laughs> that was, like, a little crazy. They're literally, like, It was wild, but it looked so good. It did look good. So, any more on red? No. What about yellow? What What about yellow? I mean... It's, oh, the yellow, the yellow that we kind of get, like, between yeah. the... I liked it juxtaposing to red. I did it's too. Another very vibrant. It color. was a break 
from kind of because we had just been sitting with we red been too, in red for some just time. deep deep reds almost to the point where like you can't almost to the point where you're not even really aware of it because yeah. it's become such almost like a screen that that's why when it changes colors i think it's really it's impactful. so it's very impactful and i think it speaks to just kind of the conflict between moon and sky in this moment as yeah. something that is is stark and different from what we've seen before because it, this was like a lover's quarrel this was like these two assassins kind of like who are on an equal level breaking each other apart and their love kind of crumbling and now we have stepped into an apprentice avenging her master yeah and that is that is a shift it's also you know a different emotion being displayed yeah instead of kind of this mournful like conflicted angry jealous now instead you have a dispassionate expert yeah. being sky being forced to kill this again very passionate but perhaps envious you perhaps know. envious but just angry for sure yeah student yeah. of the man who she loved who she just killed well thank god that was a fabrication <laughs> <laughs> yeah when she's like stabbed dying and she's like laughing yeah that was really good on that actress's behalf mm. but also like unnerving i was like oh my gosh yeah, this she's is really like, selling it yeah this is i'm like i'm like whew, i'm like creeped out in a very good way here like why are you laughing yeah. <laughs> when it turned to red all the leaves yes that was a great transition of color it went so much further than I thought to. Like, yeah. it kept getting redder, and I was just, like, breathless. It definitely, like, rips you to each color. And I think that's why, once you get these very subdued, collected, controlled blues... Very mindful. Very mind. Yes, mindful, very mindful, very poised. I mean, they're, like, together at a meeting, like, discussing... They are. Like, their, it's very... Di it's diplomatic, too, yeah. yeah. And I think that's very interesting how this is the king's take on things... And it, it almost feels like, you know, that's a little bit of the king in there. Like, yeah. this is the king kind of, like, orderliness. This is what his schemes might look like. And it's very it's very collaborative in the way that they're kind of taking this approach, you know, seeing his skills, deciding who's going to die. And, and this level-headedness is basically maintained throughout. I thought the, the, the water fight scene... Was pretty good. Like, they couldn't. They wasn't in their hearts. They I couldn't know. like actually kill each other. She cried. She gets the water. water the water's her. crying for both of them because yeah. it's like her tear. And then when he slaps it, like it's his tears. He too. literally stopped fighting to like wipe like a tear off her cheek. Like that's Respect. gentlemen. Oh my gosh. Like, and they ooh. say chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Also in blue, one of my favorite sequences where he explodes a brush, <laughs> nameless, just <laughs> rams his sword straight through, and it's poof, poof. That gets me every time. <laughs> it's really good. Nothing hits quite like that. Ten paces, baby. Ten paces for real. I really love just, this is a sign, but when he's coming into the, the getting the closer and closer to the emperor, and they give him the money, set up closer. Yes, yes. You know, They're like, here's all the money, here's all the households, please advance. Yes. Here's more money, here's more households. Get a little closer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, blue is an excellent color. What do you think about white? White's kind of longer. White, yes. White and and white has green within it because we yeah. go white and then flashback green and then back to white. White to me, it took me a little bit of like ruminating. It was single mindedness. I thought. Okay. And I think we see that in a few different characters. With with snow, it's her adamant advocacy for the king's assassination yeah and her refusal to listen to sword with sword it's the other way where he has achieved this kind of understanding through meditation that the king is necessary yeah. as a tyrant to unify the land 
And because, for me at least, the white kind of bleeds into the black that is nameless in The King Alone, yeah. you get this kind of very dualistic mindset where it's like people are going to be on the other sides of these ideological gulfs and there may not be anything you can do to bridge it, but there are actions you can take on an individual level to change someone's mind, like Broken Sword does with Nameless when he writes yeah. Our Land. And yes. that is him in white, Nameless in black, and that big shift finally happening as, happening as Nameless tells these stories and the king tells these stories and they, they just... As they talk. I thought white was kind of a cool palette cleanser. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, like kind of, we almost strip color away. Yeah, and the, kind of that inverse I think works pretty well. You kind of get to see... Maybe not things without a distraction, but things sort of... Simplified almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think maybe the characters' approaches to to their problems are, like, overly simplified. Like, I remember Broken Sword being like, oh, no, like, 180 and be like, I can't let you assassinate the king anymore. I'm like, doesn't this seem, <laughs> like, kind of not exactly what we've been a part of this entire time? And, you right. know, when, when Snow was so adamant, be like, well, isn't she, like, really doubling down on this right now? Mm-hmm. It seemed everybody was kind of in shades of gray yeah i could see that like they're they're stubbornly sticking to their ideals but there is room to kind of maneuver with them and have those ideological clashes i suppose maybe white was just a color maybe maybe there is no meaning i don't know i definitely with that grayness i do feel like with the white and the black we were kind of eliminating that grayness a little bit i really think the grayness of it comes with nameless and i think that's kind of the reason the palace chamber is those kinds of darker grays with like the white pouring in through the windows to represent a little bit of just he was dwelling within ambiguity for a bit until he made his final decision and that's kind of how he was able to make that transition was the space kind of reflecting the potential for that shift to occur within him what about green then i don't know about green actually i have some thoughts on green and they are of earthiness of yeah. land physically, of rootedness, because this is, I believe, where we get Broken Sword's main ideology of our land, of what it takes mm-hmm. to unify. This is where he's really giving his philosophy a bit more attention, letting that shine a bit. So those are my general-ish kind of... I also got, like, the jade in the palace as a kind yeah. of, like, regal thing with all of the fabric hanging yeah. about. Apparently, um, those fabrics were actually color-corrected in post because they couldn't really? get the shade of green that they wanted. I'm like, well, it came out looking fantastic. Yeah, really, so really, movies are made in post, I if know. you didn't already know. <laughs> Where is a movie made? In post. Um, so, what did you think about green? I thought it was a color. You know? <laughs> like, when it yeah. turned green, I was like, we're definitely onto a new color. Yeah. I don't think, especially in that point of the movie, that, that it was, was like an uber significant. Yeah, thematically anything. shifted from white, from like our character's yeah. motivations. I think there. the red and the blue are the two really big biggest red ones definitely you can can reap a lot out of that and blue to contrast that exactly and then moving forward from that it's more not random of course but it's a little more it's a little less pointed almost well you know in a way it never really was it's true as according to the director Yeah, forget color symbolism all of these are just random associations we're making i'm sure that these color associations vary yeah everywhere you know yeah there's something i want to talk about and it's kind of the sort of punch of the movie the our land the two yes. words that are written from broken sword to communicate to the king to keep in mind in his his you know conquest to conquer china yes this his his kind of last plea to change nameless's mind who up until that point was also adamant on assassinating the king what were your immediate takeaways if you had any yeah so i think that a very valid critique of this movie actually is that it 
makes space for and almost invites or welcomes tyranny. I'm glad you thought that because yeah. I, I had that thought literally almost upon the end of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Where it was like, oh, we like the king is like the good guy now. It's, yeah, it, especially when you get all of the text at the end. Where it's like the king went on to yeah. like conquer, and it's like oh, but like remember earlier everyone about, is calling him a time yeah, yeah. Like ending languages yeah I remember when he's like I'm gonna simplify I'm going to erase everyone's culture yeah. and unify the people but my idealization of unification is an elimination of diversity so you know what does that look like like he's you know what is he gonna do once he has the unified lands because when he's talking to nameless early on he's he says oh like the six or seven kingdoms or however many it is that's not enough I'm yeah. gonna make a bigger empire and it's like well if the means is peace and our land it's like where where's that finish line because it seems like the emperor might keep redrawing it that's a good point to make our land is is actually kind of a faulty translation what it oh. more readily translates to is all under heaven yeah so our land is definitely a part of it as is the other translations you know under heaven it's also the world there's a bit of different things that it can be translated as but culturally this concept is also representative of like a metaphysical realm of mortals a geographical space that people inhabit the pride of the people themselves like our land is a bit of a simplification because it's not just it's not just the land itself it's also what has been divinely appointed by principles of order that you cannot disobey what has been designated to you like what can you take pride in as a citizen because like nameless is a prefect so much of this too is the citizens themselves like people in uh, or to, to clarify real quick uh, a prefect is like an administrative yes thank uh, you. entity who, who watches over like a district or something. yeah watches over uh, the smallest plot of land in yeah. in the uh kind of hierarchy of officials so you have officials who who absolutely are are very interested in the land and very much attached to it and there's just there's just so much that goes into this term absolutely that is lost with yeah. our land when you are taken out of that cultural context whereas it's a much more yeah. nuanced complex term you know saying our land shouldn't be thought as necessarily in like a property sense it shouldn't be like yes. our borders this is our dirt yeah it's it's kind of like you know our culture our people where we live you know how we live all these bit. sweeping landscape shots that we'd be getting like the essence of it but that does also open up the door to kind of like that tyrannical thing we were talking about earlier where it's like well, this isn't going to stop. This is for all under heaven. You know, yeah. that's a little bit bigger than merely the national borders of China. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, there is sort of this like proliferation issue that sort of gets, I guess, somewhat promoted by the movie. Not, a in, bit. not in a very, not in a very grand Not like overtly, sense. not This, not is, this quite is not directly. a political movie. Right, right. Um, and I think, I think really the crux of kind of bending to the king as, as a kind of happy ending is really to show... That peace is the ultimate goal of a warrior, yeah. as Broken Sword very much Time elaborates. As, <laughs> as 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 he and the king kind of have their like soul connection over yeah. that peace is the ultimate gain, and the extents people go to for peace are sometimes extreme. Going back to scale, sometimes it takes all these bodies, all these yeah. lives, all this bloodshed. But until that peace is achieved, and until the means to achieve that peace is actualized, this bloodshed is going to continue. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I want to end a war too. You know, nobody wants to see this keep going. But if it's at the cost of tyranny, that's it's like surrendering great. yourself to the powers that be in order so that we can all have some degree of self-preservation. Right. But the powers that be are 
using, you know, bodies to make that Exactly. Happen. And the powers that be might be interested in removing you as a minority from their divine area because yeah. you speak, like, a different language. And yeah, like, who's our like land? That. You know, me Exactly. So I think it's an indictment as well as an invitation. Like, I wouldn't... I wouldn't I would not say explicitly this movie like very much is like, yeah, pro-tyranny. Like yeah. We should have one centralized like dictator to kind of murder everyone. Yeah, that's clearly I don't, I don't not think what this movie yeah. is doing. It's, it's much more nuanced, and I think that's why we get the scenes of the king being like, I'm going to get rid of all the language, and Nameless is like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and different things like that. Yeah. It's definitely like a lot. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to the advisors at the end all going execute him execute him oh that was excellent <laughs> that I just love that I love that so much I love the candles so much the candles were phenomenal that bloodlust when yeah. they're spinning around because he's like going through it it's yeah. like oh my gosh this is very intense okay now before we get to our favorite scene yes I'm a little bit tidbit a little yeah, bit yeah, of fun, please, fun. Please. you ready for this unload Quentin Tarantino, you heard of him? Oh my gosh, I know this. Yes. Miramax, baby. So this was a 2002 movie in China. It didn't get released until America until 2004 because... Because, uh, well, I don't don't know why it wasn't allowed. I think it was just trying to get... No, it's because of Quentin. Well, exactly. Quentin Tarantino brought it in because they weren't going to distribute in America in 2002. Because they were like, whatever, this is going to be a box office flop. Like, we're not interested in this movie. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino attached his name to the release of uh, the the dom- domestic release. I guess yeah. it's the international release of a Chinese international, movie. But the domestic for us, stateside. Yeah. He attached his name to this movie. Quentin Tarantino presents, you know, on the movie poster and so forth. Persuaded Miramax to hop on. This was not for any financial gain. He was not allowed to receive any of the sort of profits. Oh, th- um, I like that. The only, and he forced Miramax to not dub the movie and to release Ooh, the, the original cuts not to to recut it at all so quentin tarantino you know he didn't gain any money off this he just wanted to get the movie into wow. american theaters rightfully so yes truly a cinephile and yes. very in defeat yes 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 because yes sorry to, to clarify what i said earlier miramax did buy the american distribution rights but they were just like delaying yeah. it like kind of again and it, that's why a, it took two years yeah it's a big thing with like american companies they'll purchase rights to a movie just to like shelf them just hold on to them yeah forever. exactly yeah. so sorry if i accidentally attributed miramax's yeah, fear of a box office plot i don't actually know how true that is but they were sitting on it <laughs> until tarantino was like oh, it's really keep it warm <laughs> um so now favorite scene what was your favorite scene there's oh, so many good ones to there's a from. lot of fantastic ones i loved it when the, the leaves change from yellow to red <sighs> Yes. I loved when he wiped a tear from her dead that body. That was so emotional. Um, I loved the opening chess house. It wasn't really the opening per se, but I loved You know, the, the first, house. like, big fight. I gotta say, it's kind of a weird scene because it's almost stretched out through the entire movie. But every time he was talking with the Emperor, and there was sort of that, like, back and forth, like, yes. like almost fast-paced exposition. It was. It was, it was two very intellectual, very capable, very surreal like yeah. incredible men just yeah. like spitting words at each other you see sort of like you know you see that class difference he's speaking very formally to the king he's yes. not he's not saying no ever per se he's, you see their positionality yeah very highlighted but both of them have like a clear show of respect for one another yes it's mutual um, yes. yes they're both aware and acknowledge one another in a very you know uh, very decent way and I just thought the, the quick cuts of like the servants throwing down gold uh, <sighs> it progressed it. with him Loved getting it. closer him sitting alone in the entire palace yeah, being yeah, like you're getting yeah. within 100 paces you're yeah. getting within 50 paces mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I just thought like all that was 
presented so digestibly and it was so entertaining and then the second they're done talking cut to the most vibrant color you've ever seen yeah and so yeah. every time it went in and out i was just i loved it the tra- yes the transitions there were absolutely phenomenal and again sticking to just the action we did not mess around with any unnecessary footage we were no. just so focused so engaged the entire time on what was happening tangibly there was either like the most wild action you've ever seen or it was or the most star-crossed lovers killing themselves you know (laughs) or like the most like eloquent like soliloquized Mm. language of big ideals like philosophically sparring back and forth that you've ever heard absolutely my favorite moment yeah was the paintbrush going poof because Mm. nameless wow your sword is swift cuts all the books in the library oh my gosh sorry when they all fell i was like imagine being the librarian yeah imagine being like hey man i know you're having like a meeting in there i know you're doing your thing but you just like ruined all these walking in like i'm gonna have to sort all these scrolls so are you you guys gonna like put this back together or is you just like Like, can your sword like redo like like how good like you're booked for the next month (laughs) my favorite scene my favorite sequence was absolutely long sky versus nameless yeah just the choreography was stunning excellently performed you see such a range of sword play kicks it's like launching too, you know? it is it's variety one weird moment where long sky like throws his spear to the left and then <laughs> nameless like throws it back at him and he catches it and i was like what was the aggressive <laughs> move there <laughs> but it still looks so good yeah so and then again just only action you don't see them running around you see them clash 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 the only time you don't see them clashing is when their minds are clashing exactly. and even then you do see still them clashing. and the raindrops <laughs> when he's going through the raindrops that are still it's like the greatest thing i've ever seen in my entire life so yes I loved it. I loved that they did the whole mental battle, which I think was an apt assessment of their abilities only to fall in one blow. Uh, I loved the water, all of the dripping, all of the chests, all of the water on their weapons, the water on his face. All of it was phenomenal. And as an introduction for what you're about to experience for the next X amount of time, absolutely phenomenal first stab. I'm sold. And that's a wrap on Hero. Join us next week for Rashomon, Akira Kurosawa's samurai epic about truth and story. And lies. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Subtitled Cinema for movie lists, behind-the-scenes content, and lots of other good fun. I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. And thank you for listening.